great to be here for your Battle of the Schools and Color Team Competition. Anybody here have a best friend? We talked about a best friend. Best friend people in the house. Had a best friend growing up. His name was Troy. Troy was my best friend. And we used to love to do things together. Uh, one of the greatest things that we liked to do together was watch mold grow on cheese. That tells you what kind of friend he is. He's a good friend. We could have fun doing almost anything. And when I was a young individual, much taller and shorter than I am now, I don't know, it doesn't really matter. I, so I, uh, I grew up in a church where they preached. Have you ever heard of the terminology hellfire and brimstone? Yeah, well, like, like the Lord is coming back. The trumpet's going to sound in the skies. There's going to be a white horse, and the guy's going to be coming fl- with flaming swords, and it's going to be crazy. So it's called the rapture. And uh, so my friend and I were hanging out one day. I went to go ask my dad a question, but I couldn't find him. And so at that moment, I thought possibly maybe the rapture had happened. I was a little bit scared, a little bit frightened. So I went and I rushed and I called my grandma because, you know, if things are okay, grandma's going to be home. So I called grandma and she wasn't there. Now, Grandma's not home. My dad, I can't find him. And so I thought, what am I going to do? I'm going to call my pastor. So I called my pastor on the phone. Did not pick up the phone. I am in big trouble. I am laying on the floor, barely able to breathe, gasping for air, because I am sure that the rapture has happened, and I have been left behind. I don't know if you know Theo, but it was scary. I was, I was literally on the verge of vomit. And so it was horrible. And all of a sudden, my friend, he looks at me. And I don't know if you understand what I say, the Spock eye. He gave me the Spock eye. One eyebrow up, one eyebrow down. And he gives me the Spock eye and he goes, what is going on? And as soon as those words cross his lips... In the background, I hear the screen door opens. My dad walks in. And as he walks in, he looks at me and he doesn't give me the Spock eye. It's the double eyebrow. He's just kind of like, oh, here he goes again. And so here we are. My dad goes to get his drink and he comes back out and he says, is everything okay? And I say, oh, it's fine, dad. We were just practicing a drama. (laughs) It's just fine. So he walks out. And my friend is like, okay, dude, what happened? What's going on? And I tried to explain to him, listen, I'm 12 years old, and I don't have a great theological background. I don't hold a doctorate at 12. And so, and it was not, I didn't do, you know, I didn't explain the rapture very well. Some years later, I was at uh, college, college, and... uh, as I was there in college, I got a phone call. Now, remember this. I don't, I don't know who was on the phone, but I do remember the words that they spoke to me. The words were very simple, and they were, Troy is dead. My best friend had been killed in an auto accident. And not the kind you're thinking of. He was working on the car. The jack slipped. And his life was in. I rushed back to get to the funeral, and I lay over a casket weeping for my best friend. 
because my best friend was gone. But also, I knew that Troy had never accepted Jesus as his personal Savior. Troy didn't know Jesus. And he wasn't in heaven. Why do I tell you that story? Because, listen, it was over 30 years ago that that happened, and it still hurts today. I tell you that story because I was at Bible school when that happened. I was training to be a pastor, training to be a minister, training to do what I do now. And I never told my best friend about Jesus. That is a weight and a burden I have to carry for the rest of my life. Now, while I was at Bible school, they had this thing called CMF, Campus Missions Fellowship, every Friday night. I would go to service every Friday night. And you say, oh, dude, you're so spiritual. I got paid to go to run sound. So I was there. But God still has moments, even sometimes when we may not realize it. God was speaking to my heart. He was drawing me. And I remember one night, a missionary from Israel, don't remember his name. I don't even remember what he talked about. Just like you'll probably forget what I've talked about in a couple hours. But I do remember the God moment. I went down to the altar. There were only two people in the building, myself and a guy named Doug Reed. And I began to cry and weep for the lost. God began to plant a dream in my heart. And to see teenagers, students, and me standing up in front of them speaking. And if you know me, I'm a shy little kid from Nebraska. I can't do that. But God gave me a dream. And tonight I want to talk to you about being a dreamer and having a God-given dream. Who's one of the greatest dreamers in the scripture? His name? Joseph. Yes, you're right. Joseph is his name. And if we look at the circumstances and situations in Joseph's life, we would say, no way. But God says, no, this way. You see, Joseph's life had a few curveballs, and he didn't realize that the path he was on was maybe not the path that God guided him on, but it was the path that God used. Halfway through the second grade, Mrs. Sargent, who lived up to her name, by the way, sent a note home to a young boy's parents. It was added onto his report card, added into his permanent record. Lovely. 
It said this, your son dreams too much. He's a daydreamer. He's always looking out the window and his mind wanders far from the task at hand. Wow. Thank you very much, Mrs. Sargent, for placing that into a young man's permanent record for the rest of his academic career. What if this young boy could never stop dreaming? What if, well, if this boy dreamed of something more? something incredible, something greater. Our world is crowded with dreamers. Some go on to accomplish great things and others have their dreams pummeled out of them. Some have chapters in the Bible written about them. Others, like that little second grader, could be standing in front of you today encouraging you to discover your dream. I want us to look at a quick video about some dreamers over the course of history. Never doubt, just because you're a teenager, that you cannot affect the history of this world. Don't ever doubt yourself and don't ever doubt how God can use you incredibly. Joseph, pretty popular name in the scripture. I mean, Joseph was the name of Jesus' earthly father. And, uh, but I want us to look at a Joseph, a young man with a dream, a dream that became reality. His story is filled with mystery and intrigue, passion and betrayal, secrets and, je- and jealousy, injustice and reward. Joseph's journey is from special son to slave and back again. His is a journey from palace to prison and back again, from home to exile to honor, from one of 12 to an orphan to a leader of a nation. And this roller coaster life is woven together by a dream, by dreams that God gave Joseph. You see, all of the circumstances in Joseph in his life say no way. But God said no this way. We might catch ourselves dreaming about a dream relationship. Oh, if I could just go out with him, it would be so wonderful. Or a dream vacation. If I could just go to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And some of you may have a Barbie dream house. I don't know. You know, What is your dream? What does God have in store for you? Who are you? Whose are you? What's your dream? Some dreams may seem silly. Some dreams may seem serious. But God's dream for us, God's dream for you, is greater than you can ever imagine. Joseph discovered how God's dream could be his purpose. Your dream can answer the question, why am I here? God's purpose is for you to grow, to worship, to reach out to others. A good dream, a God-given dream makes you whole. Genesis 37, starting at verse 1 through 11, says this, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. 
This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. (laughs) He's a tattletale. Anybody got little brothers and sisters? Don't you just love them? Always telling mom. Always saying, Mom, did you know that blah, 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 blah? (laughs) Don't you just love them? Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Yes, he's the youngest. He's the chosen one. Because Joseph had been born to him in an old age. He was decrepit. He was... Anyway, sorry, no. That Bible doesn't say that. So one day, Joseph had made a a special gift for Joseph. Jacob had made a special gift for Joseph. A beautiful robe. The robe of what? Many colors. Look at you Bible scholars. Oh, my goodness. You're amazing. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They could not say a kind word to him. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Joseph had a dream. And Joseph decided to tell his brothers, and he said, My brothers, listen to this dream. I don't know if he talked like that. He didn't because he was Jewish. Um, We were, I can't, anyway, sorry. We were out in the field. Tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my brother stood up. I'm not going to try and do a Jewish accent. I guess I myself. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And his brothers responded in kind and said, Oh, wonderful, Joseph. That's so beautiful. Thank you for that great dream. No, that's not what they did. In verse 8, his brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him even more. And soon Joseph had another dream. You think maybe Joseph would be a little smarter this time and keep his pie hole shut. But no. He said it again. Listen, I had another dream. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. And his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow before you? While his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. If you remember nothing else that I say tonight, and you probably won't, But if you remember this, if you are a journaling individual or you like to take notes, please write this down. If you have a photographic memory, lucky you. God's dream shapes your purpose. And God's purpose shapes your dream. One more time, just so we can reiterate and you can get it. God's dream shapes your purpose, and God's purpose shapes your dream. Joseph is a person shaped by purpose. Joseph had a keen sense of direction for his 
life. I'm sure this keen sense had been developed over the years because of his father, the great storyteller, always telling about his great-grandfather, Abraham, and how God's promise was renewed for his grandfather, Isaac, and how it was renewed again in his father, Jacob. Joseph grew up with a dream of what God has for us, no matter what. Now, you see, Joseph's brothers may have memorized all of these stories, but Joseph was mesmerized by the stories. Joseph had his life shaped by dreams. Everywhere Joseph went, every situation that Joseph encountered forced him to remember that his life was being shaped by something bigger than himself. A dream that God had for him. A dream that God gave him. It may sound simple, but most of the time, the simple things are the most powerful things in our life. The simple faith the assurance that God, who made you, who saved you, that put you here right now, He put you here to live out the dream He has for you. Joseph stood out from his brothers. It was obvious, not just because of the cool multicolored coat that he wore. But he stood out from his brothers because of character, because of commitment, because of his clothing. Okay, can I tell you something? Being different. Sorry, that's my mom. She's texting me. Um, Being different. Being different is okay. Cody, you good? Being different is okay. I look in the mirror every morning and I smile. You don't want to see this face in the morning. It's not, not that it's ever really pretty anyway. But I'm telling you, being outside the norm can sometimes be socially unacceptable. And that is okay. While the world tells us to conform, the Bible tells us a different message in Romans 12.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Get this. Big, bold letters. Write this down. We can't stay like the world if we want to change the world. That's rewinding. We can't stay like the world if you want to change the world. Be different because you are different. The main reason you should be different is this. God has called you out. He has called you to greater things. He has given you dreams. He has created a special person inside of you. And he has given you a special plan. And you can just say, I'm special. And that's okay. You look at me now and you say, 
That guy likes to eat food, and it shows. Yes, I do. I enjoy eating food. I enjoy the pasta. The tomato sauce. I also enjoy some red meat, some steak, and potatoes, a man's meal. But I also, I mean, I could be a vegetarian if it wasn't for meat. I love vegetables. I love okra, eggplants. I love acorn squash. How about that? But let me tell you, one of my favorite places to go and graze, I mean go and eat, is to Sam's on Saturday. Oh, yes. I got an amen on that one. Hallelujah. You know, you walk into Sam's, and as soon as you walk in the door, there's some beautiful little old lady. She's like, would you like to try our blue corn tortilla chip? It's all organic, GMO, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, why, yes. I would love one. And you're like, that's so wonderful. She's like, oh, we're selling it by 10-pound bags of corn chips. If you, oh, I would love that. And you go, you go walk around, and they have guacamole and ham and roast beef and steak and all kinds of goodies. Maybe even a little crab dip if you're lucky. And you, and who needs to go eat lunch? Who needs to go pay for lunch when you go to Sam's on Saturdays and get free samples? <laughs> you walk out of Sam's, though. On sample Saturday, and you got a cart full because you tasted the samples and they were good. You know what I'm talking about? I love taking my kids to Sam's on Saturday, Kate, because I don't have to go out to Chinese food. I just feed them. That's right. Sam's sample Saturdays. Can you imagine this? What if we lived our life as a sample of Jesus? What if we lived our life as a sample of who Jesus could be in the lives of our friends? What if we lived a life as a sample of a relationship with God and what it looked like, what it felt like? And when people were around us, they heard us talk and think and verbalize and act like Jesus? What if we were just a sample of God's grace, of His compassion? What if we were a sample of God's unconditional love in the lives of those that are around us? What a difference. God has a dream for you. One you may not even realize. Maybe you've just gotten a sample. There are people in this room who are going to radically change their world because of who God is in you. And that guy right there is one of them. God wants to use you. He wants to give you dreams. And he wants you to live life as a sample for Jesus.
Would you bow your heads with me? Nobody looking around right now. This is a moment of solitude, a moment of honoring God and His Word. I never take lightly the opportunity to stand before individuals and share the hope of Jesus and the dreams He has for our life. I know that in a room this size, there are people that may not have a connection or a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here tonight and you have followed God at one point, but right now you are far from God. With no one looking around, because I don't want to embarrass anyone. That's not what it's about. But this is an opportunity right now to begin that God-given dream. And if that's you tonight, you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, Brad, but I want one. I want to live that dream. If that's you tonight, I just want you to lift up your hand and say, Brad, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus. Very simply, just lift up your hand with nobody looking around in a moment of honesty tonight. Brad, I'm not where I should be in my relationship with God. And that's me. Would you just lift your hand tonight? I'll give you that opportunity right now to say, Brad, I need that connection. I need that relationship with God. Would you pray with me tonight? Maybe you have stepped away from God and you're not in relationship with Him right now. This is the opportunity that you have to move into right relationship with Him. And if that's you, just lift up your hand and say, Brad, that's me tonight. I'm not where I need to be, but I want to make it right tonight. If that's you, just lift up your hand. That's awesome. God wants to give you a dream, students. If you're a follower of Christ tonight, he has dreams for you. Incredible, powerful amazing dreams for your life. He wants you to accomplish things and trust in Him in ways that you may not have ever even thought of yet. But God has that for you. You see, in this battle for the battle of the schools, I believe it's a battle for your school. It's a battle for your friends, for their hearts, And I challenge you tonight to be a sample of Jesus with your friends. I challenge you to be a sample of Jesus in your home. I challenge you to be a sample of Jesus in your class, in your school. To stand up and be different. Because the world needs us to be different. Would you stand with me tonight as I pray with you? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these students. God, that have a firm faith, a firm foundation and trust in you, God. And I pray for God-given dreams in their life right now. I pray for God moments 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would put in their path individuals, God, that would encourage them, that would lift them up, that would stir them to grow and draw closer to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give them God-given dreams, Lord, not just for five years, ten years from now, but for tomorrow, for next week and next month, Lord Jesus, that you would impart to them dreams and a heart for the lost. God, that they would just simply be a sample of who you can be in the lives of those that are around them each and every day. I pray your blessing on their lives, on their relationships, and on their school. God, may you give them dreams for their school. I release creativity. I release awesomeness. I release something amazing in the lives of these students. I pray for the leadership, the leadership team, Pastor Jeremy. Use them, God, to empower these students. Be with them. Give them wisdom and strength. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.